Father, we magnify you in this place. Nothing you can't do. Nothing intimidates you. Nothing causes you to second guess yourself. Scratch your head. Wonder what you're going to do next. We are so grateful to be in the hands of a God that knows where he's going. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. name. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, toward Israel's left hand. And Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand and brought them near unto him. Israel, who of course was Jacob, stretched out his right hand, laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand Upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. He held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head onto Manasseh's head. Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father. This is the firstborn. Put thy right hand on his head. And his father refused and said, I know it. I know it. He'll be great but his brother is going to be greater than he is. My subject today is simply one moment in time. One moment. Let's thank the Lord together before we receive the word. Soften up our spirit and our heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. The hands were not placed where they naturally would have been. Joseph's bringing his two grandsons that have been born to him in Egypt. His dad's old, and he hasn't seen his daddy for a long time. And so he brings his firstborn, whose name is Manasseh. And he makes sure that Manasseh is right by his daddy's right hand. And he puts Ephraim, who's the second boy, by his dad's left hand. The Bible says the old man crossed his hands wittingly. Joseph's got his eyes closed. He's praying. He's so excited because he knows his daddy's given a great blessing, amen, to that firstborn boy, Manasseh, and blessing also his brother. All of a sudden, he opens up his eyes, and to his absolute horror, the right hand of blessing is on the wrong boy's head. He's trying to pry his dad's hand off of Ephraim's head and he said no daddy you got it wrong you know you're you're not remembering good you got a little Alzheimer's here you forgot who and he said no I know exactly I know exactly what I'm doing and uh, um, ladies and gentlemen you cannot curse what God has already blessed and you cannot bless what God has cursed The Bible said, whatever God joins together, man is never going to put it asunder. And from the beginning, people use that verse at weddings, but that's much bigger because it doesn't say who God joins together. It says what God joins together. And that's more than just men and women. There are concepts and principles in the word of the Lord that we have to understand and respect from the beginning God joined blessing 
with obedience. And he joined correction with disobedience. And you and I will never live long enough to change that. When Peter said, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Jesus had previously told Peter, whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. And in obedience to the teaching of Jesus, Peter was the first one to teach that people would be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament church. And that's how the thing started. Baptism was joined with his name. And you're never going to live long enough to pry those two apart. A lot of people do it and they try, but you have to understand, baptism is meant to be done in his name. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're living in a day of, of controversy and, and uh, contradiction. I, uh, I, I, I personally believe that on Tuesday, Bernie Sanders will win the Iowa caucus. It has the Democratic Party in absolute apoplexy. They're in absolute terror because their chosen one, Joe Biden, will not win in Iowa. He probably won't win much at all because you're dealing with something that's much more powerful than a political platform. You're dealing with a movement. You're dealing with a movement. You're seeing the political stage change, especially with younger generations that's going to move more towards a socialist type of government. And whether you agree with that or not, um, it's coming. And it's coming very, very, very rapidly because we're dealing with a movement and a movement is much, much greater. If uh, you, you, you not, not too long ago, we had something, it's still in effect, it's called the Me Too movement. It was women who finally got fed up with being molested and assaulted by powerful men. And uh, Harvey Weinstein is the founder of something called Miramax Studios. He was one of the most powerful movie and cinema moguls in all of Hollywood. But today, Harvey is in disgrace, and he's on trial again. He was on trial in New York City recently. He's on trial again in California. Harvey Weinstein was taken out, not by a political approach, but because of a movement. Bill Cosby, known as America's dad, has been taken out because what was tolerated in the 70s and 80s is not being tolerated now and shouldn't be. Matt Lauer, who was famous for Good Morning America and was always the host for the Olympics, has been taken down in shame. The shadow of a billionaire by the name of Jeffrey Epstein has stained a former president and a British heir to the throne. Why? Because this thing is more powerful than just words and just a statement. I remember when I was young, the protest movement against the Vietnam War caused the most politically ambitious man America's ever produced, a guy named Lyndon Johnson from Texas, who became president when Kennedy was assassinated. Lyndon Johnson, everybody was just absolutely assured and took it for granted that he would stay in that White House as long as he possibly could because he had, he had, his entire life was, was with that objective. And yet, 
After one term, Lyndon Johnson said, I, I will not allow my name to stand for re-election. Why? It was because of a movement. That same movement pressured Richard Nixon to finally tell a guy named Henry Kissinger, just make it happen. This is what I saw three years ago in St. Louis when I saw the Youth Congress there that they had over 16,000 young people. And last year in St. Louis, 37,000 young people at the Youth Congress. This is uh, uh, usually a general conference at best has 8,000 people. So uh, whatever, eight into 37, uh, what are you dealing with? Eight times four, eight times five, four, four and a half. Our young people have a meeting now that's four and a half times larger than what previously had been the largest meeting in the United Pentecostal Church. This is not a doctrinal position. This is a movement, a movement that's happening in our young people. And I personally am very, very excited about it because uh, I was not too long ago, I saw, I saw, I got in trouble, deep, deep, deep trouble because I preached a message in Ohio called the Ministry of Shadows. And it was a quote from the uh, message in the book of Hebrews. It says, in the Old Testament, the priesthood was passed automatically from father to son. And uh, without ever consulting God, this is a shadow of things to come. And, uh, and my, my message was simply that the rotten underbelly of Pentecost is when a retiring pastor will take his son and just automatically put him in a place of authority in the church and many times did not deserve it. I'm not saying every time a son followed his father in the ministry because the Bible said son of a priest is a priest. And I'm not saying that everyone has to be a preacher, but I do believe preachers' kids, especially preachers' sons, are predisposed to probably be in the ministry. But what I saw was a lot of men trying to keep the church like their own company, their own business. And they were trying to keep the store in the family name so that it would guarantee their retirement and it would make sure cushy things happen. And they'd make sure there's always been someone from our family in control over this church. The Bible said that's the way it was in the Old Testament. I got in deep trouble when I said something in Ohio. It went viral, went all over the internet. Thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of emails, calls that flooded our, our, our basically melted down our phone machine in the office. But I stand by what I say because I saw boys that should have, that, that should have never been pastors and they, boys that should have been blessed turn it into a mess. That's what I saw. This is what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 17, a wise servant shall have rule over a son that causeth shame and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. In other words, you don't have to be in the family. If you're a wise servant, you can literally take the place of the son that causes shame and you can have the blessing. My daddy wasn't a pastor. I wasn't raised with privilege. I wasn't raised with money. But I did have a desire to find God in my life it made all the difference. In the book of Genesis 38 and verse 9, it came to pass as he drew back his hand that behold his brother came out 
And she said, how hast thou broken forth this breach be upon thee? Therefore his name was called Perez. There is a terrible story in Genesis 38 about Joseph's brother Judah. Judah's boy was married to a girl named Tamar. I don't know what he did. It just said God killed him. And then that man gave his next son to his daughter-in-law because you're supposed to do that to take away her shame. But what happened to the first happened to the second and God killed him as well. He's only got one boy left. He promised that boy to Tamar. But when that boy got old enough to marry, he did not allow that to happen. And Tamar got very angry. The Bible said she played the harlot. And she seduced her father-in-law. And when it was time for him to pay for services rendered, he didn't have any cash. So she said, give me your signet ring and give me your family staff and I will keep these in lieu of your payment. He came back the next day in the red light district to pay for services that had been rendered by what he supposed was a harlot. But the woman was gone and no one remembered where she went and everything was forgotten for about five months until Judah was told, your daughter-in-law is carrying a baby. And uh, I thought he was going to have her stoned, but when I studied this week, he wanted her burnt with fire. And he brought that pregnant daughter-in-law in front of a crowd of very angry people, and he said, will you at least tell us who the father of this illegitimate child squirming in your womb is? And she said, uh, well, do you recognize this ring? And if you don't recognize that ring, I've got your family staff in my house as well. And Judah said, she's been more righteous than me. When the time came for her to be delivered, she was not carrying one, but rather two sons. And what you'll find is the story of a hand that came out of her womb. And that midwife tied a ribbon around the hand of that first boy that was being born but all of a sudden that hand disappeared back into the womb and breach birth breach where that's the, that's what this was dealing with this baby comes out backwards and he doesn't have a ribbon on his wrist and that midwife said where in the world did you come from you 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 this is not the way it's supposed to happen you 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 have broken the order you order here. You, 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 you. We're going to call you Pharez, which means breach bank breaker. It's where that term breach birth came from, because usually a child comes from the womb head first. But when a baby gets turned in the womb, it's called a breach. Pharez was that baby that was born, and 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 there's there's a lesson for us here because this woman is saying you got out of order. You stepped out of line. You have achieved something that wasn't supposed to happen to you. It was supposed to go to somebody else. I believe that in this room right here today are people that if you're passionate enough for the glory and the anointing of the Lord, I'm convinced he will elevate people that never were supposed to have a chance. 
It was always supposed to be somebody else that was blessed. Somebody else that was supposed to be anointed. Somebody else that was supposed to have the authority of the Lord on their life. But I am preaching to you today that you can break the chain. You can break the cycle. You don't always have to settle for second best. You don't always have to be somewhere back in the parade. You can have the touch of God on your life. Because this is a day when the mediocre are being exalted. But I want you and I'm challenging you today to be a person of hunger. Because there are events, Shakespeare said, there is a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flood leads on to fortune. Omitted, all the voyage of their life will be bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current where it serves or lose our ventures. Thus I offer to you two verses found in Psalms 107. They that go down to the sea in ships do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Please notice, we're not talking about canoes. We're not talking about skiffs. We're not sure, not talking about a kayak. We're talking about a ship. My daddy was a Navy guy. And if you want to get a Navy guy mad, call a ship a boat. It never, ever, I didn't care what, he let me know from a very early age, that is not a boat. This is a ship. This is a vessel, and you have to understand that we're talking about the, 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 these ships, ships, they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. If you want to see his wonders, you're going to need a boat, and you're going to need a desire to get away from the shallows. You don't catch marlin from the shore. You don't get swordfish when you're, when you're fishing in the surf. You, if you want the big stuff, you gotta be willing to go out where you can't see the shore anymore. You gotta be willing to go into the deep. I, there's something going on in our church, okay? We broke through into something in prayer. It's not just numerical breakthrough, but we're beginning to see the cracks in something in the Holy Ghost. An object at rest tends to stay at rest until it's moved on by a higher power. There is a higher power that's moving upon us, and we are going to be much easier to be directed now that we're moving. Now that we're moving, so I beg you, I plead with you, keep coming to prayer, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. The promise is you can't stop asking. If you stop asking, you won't get the answer. If you quit seeking, you're never gonna discover. If you quit knocking, it's never gonna be opened unto you. What man has said, be there among you if his child asks for a piece of bread, would you give him a stone? If he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? He said, if ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How, I love this, how much more? How much more shall the heavenly father give the holy things to them that hunger for them? And that's where we are. Oh, Jesus. 
Did you hear this praise team today? Did you notice any absences? Did you notice? Because the bulk of our praise team and Draylon and Kelsey and others, they're in Wisconsin today. We've got a whole team in Wisconsin today being with Brother Soto, going with him through his services and through his meetings. Why? Because we're trying to prepare for two services. And yet I didn't even notice Draylon's gone. I didn't even notice Kelsey wasn't here. I didn't notice that. I watched Amanda. I watched her sister. I watched the other, I watched Phil and his wife. Did you hear the quality of that? We got offered something. I don't know what's going to happen. I, it's just been offered to me. But there's a church that's been offered in this city to me. And, while I'm, I, and we're praying and believing. And I'm asking you to believe and pray for this. Because if it could happen, we're going to need another praise team. Because that church doesn't have any music. We're going to need another one and another one. And so I challenge you. We've got people in growth track right now that are hungry to get involved. This is what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. You have to understand this. Quit. I don't care if you've been here a long time or if you haven't been here much at all. You have to understand. Do not be intimidated by people that have longer hair than you, by people that have a longer dress than you. Do not be intimidated by people that have been in this place longer than you have. You have to understand something. If you've got enough hunger, you can get to the front of the line. You can come out first. Just because people have been in Pentecost all their lives doesn't mean they're going to be anointed. There are Pentecostal people that are lazy. There are Pentecostal people that have taken for granted. There are apostolic people that think God has to use them. Wrong! If he didn't regard the original tree but cut them down and grafted us into that stump, he will not regard us as well. We've got to retain our hunger. We've got to retain our desire. Hallelujah, because in the sports world, they call it the big mo, the big mo. When you get momentum, you have to take advantage of it. I preached in a church not long ago. Church was supposed to start at 7.30. When the church started, I was only one there. No one even showed up until a quarter to eight. The man came a quarter to eight to open the door. He asked me, who are you? I said, I'm a guest. He said, oh, we haven't had one of them for a long time. I, it, just, it, it just drove me out of my mind. I couldn't believe people still did church like that. There's no momentum there. We've got something moving now. It's the big mo. It's what Whitney Houston said. Give me one moment in time when I'm more than I thought I could be. When all of my dreams are a heartbeat away and the answers are all up to me. It's what Malcolm Gladwell called it, the tipping point. There is a place you can come to where the world doesn't have control over you anymore. If God be for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I read to you from Exodus 14. These people have been in bondage for almost 130 years. They've done nothing for 130 years besides lay bricks and have babies. And as they get to the Red Sea, they turn around and Pharaoh is coming with 600 chariots of iron. It was the predecessor to the modern day tank. 
I can't imagine the terror that had to be in a foot soldier when he looked up and saw four horses pulling a metal chariot, usually with spokes on the wheels that went out and not just around. It was a terrifying thing. But I read to you what Moses said. He said, and fear you not and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you this day. For the Egyptians who you have seen today, watch, you shall see them no more. That after today, they're gone. After today, they disappear. There is a place in the Holy Ghost where all the enemy will see is smoke and taillights. You can get to the front of the line. This is your moment. Take advantage. Take advantage of your moment. In Samuel 7, the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered at Mizpah, and the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And the children of Israel heard it, and they were afraid of the Philistines. And they came to Samuel, and he said, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that we will, he will save us. They're begging, please, Samuel, keep praying for us. Keep interceding for us. Samuel took a suckling lamb, offered it for an offering unto the Lord, cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And Samuel took a stone in verse 12 and set it between Mizpah where they were and Shen where the Philistines were and called the name of it Ebenezer saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and they came no more. They never, they never came back. Am I preaching to somebody today? Hobby, habit, pastime, relationship that's been like a, like a, a stainless steel pipe that's been stuck into your bones and been sucking the marrow of life out of you for too long. I appeal to you today. There is an opportunity today in this church house that if you'll be smart enough to exploit it, you can get to a point where it won't ever come back. It won't ever come back. Am I preaching to anybody that's sick and tired of being sick and tired? You don't have to put up with that. You don't have to put up with that. I found that after Abraham was willing to offer his son, this is what God said. God said, I swear, I swear that I will bless you. And when I read that, I remembered a part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, where the Lord told those people, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, and neither by the earth, for it is his footstool. And I'm wondering why in the world could God swear to Abraham? And yet when he came in flesh, he warned us, don't you dare swear. Don't you dare do that. And then it became so obvious to me because the Bible said God is not a man that he can lie. See, he, he, he can't, he's got to tell the truth. See, if you and I swear to do something, we might get it done. We might not get it done. But when God swears, he's allowed to swear because he can do everything that he said that he was going to do. Jacob wrestled with an angel. And what happened at that prayer meeting changed him forever, forever. 
Have you ever had one of those kind of prayer meetings? I had one of those prayer meetings years ago when I was in Texas. I heard a precious man named J.T. Pugh preach a message called Stars You've Never Seen Before. It was complicated. It had a lot of angles and a lot of... Uh, I, 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 I truly, I listened to it three times before I really truly understood what the old gentleman was trying to preach on. But what I do remember that day was the spirit of that day and the spirit of the word. And so I was sitting back to swear some of you folks probably about five or six pews back on the left. And all I remember is just caving under a pew. And I just, I, 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 I don't know where I went. All I remember is about three in the morning, an old woman named Vera Hawley who came to turn out the lights. She heard something groaning underneath a pew. And that precious old woman knelt down beside of me. And she said, honey, you got to get some sleep. you got to get up in the morning to go to work. And I looked at her and I, 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 I was just in a fog. I've heard people talk about being called to preach. I guess if I could point to a day, that was my day. That was the day that changed my life. Have you ever had one of those encounters in prayer to where you know you never did go back the way it was after that kind of prayer meeting? That shouldn't be off limits to you. That shouldn't be something foreign to you. You can have that encounter. You can have that experience. I found this today in study. It says in Luke 21 and 11, great earthquakes shall be in diverse places. Famines, pestilence, fearful signs, great signs shall be done from heaven. This is what it says in the message. Huge earthquakes will occur in various places. There will be famines. You'll think at times that the very sky is following, is falling. And then I found this in the Amplified. There will be mighty and violent earthquakes. And in various places, famines, pestilence, plagues, malignant and contagious or infectious epidemic diseases, which are deadly and devastating. And there will be sights of terror and great signs from heaven. And if, I, if that isn't where I'm living right now, when we're dealing with terror from a, from, from a, from a, 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 a portion of, of, of the Islamic tradition that, it, that is so violent and, and, and this coronavirus, I saw this morning on a website, the Chinese have finished a hospital. They built it in eight days. They've been working around the clock. The problem is it's only going to hold 1,000 people who are infected with the coronavirus. And in Wuhan, there are 12 million people that are potentially infected with this. We are living in this kind of day, ladies and gentlemen. When all the, have you noticed it was bird flu and then swine flu and then this and then that and now we've got this. This is not going to stop. This is something in the air. This is something the Bible said creation groans waiting. It's not talking about people. It's talking about the planet. Creation groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. This planet is sick. We have polluted it with plastic. We have filthied its air. On and on you can go. The people, there are streets in my Miami right now that shut down twice every day because of the tides, because of the melting of the Arctic ice has now raised the level of the sea. It's not going to stop. These things that seem such fantasy and prophecy.
prophecy years ago are not just fantasy, they are probable. And not just probable, they are actually happening in our lifetime. This is a very pregnant time with prophetical power and influence. Surely you see that. Surely you understand that. This is what the Bible says. It shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your heart. You've got to get this thing settled in your heart. Are you going to be an apostolic or not? Are you going to be a man of prayer or not? Are you going to be a woman of prayer or not? Or are you just going to be Pentecostal in name only? Are you just going to show up here occasionally and go through a few of our programs? And I day it's not enough just to have that name. The Bible said you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You're dead. That was the thing to Laodicea. It said you have a reputation that you're alive, but, but you're dead. He said, you're blind, you're miserable, you're poor, you think you're rich. He said, I'm telling you, you're poor. He said, they were famous for ISAB. And he said, but I'm telling you, you're blind. I want you to think you're alive, you're not alive. We've got to take that to heart and say, dear God. So I did my best last week and I was in a prayer meeting. I don't know, I think I was in three different prayer meetings last week. I was another one yesterday morning with some people. I tried to pray, tried to pray this morning. I'm gonna pray again tomorrow night. I was in a great life group with did Draylen's house Wednesday night had three wonderful guests I think Johnny and, and Brooke are here today with baby Johnny and we're grateful that you're here so excited that you're coming thank you for that I'm grateful. I just, come on, folks. We got to see where we are. We got to, this is not going to happen to us just because we have a tag or we have a label. This is about saying, get out of my way. You don't want this as much as I do. You don't want a breakthrough as much as I do. But I'm here to say, I want a breakthrough. Stand. Listen to this verse. Listen to this verse in Isaiah 9 and verse number 8. The Lord sent a word into Jacob, and it hath lighted upon Israel. It's not the same guy, because in this verse, Jacob was a man, but Israel was a nation. And what he was saying was, if somebody can get a word from God, it has the ability to literally light and rest on an entire nation. Would you be willing to be that person? Would you be willing to be that person that the world has yet to see what God could do with one person that is completely and utterly and absolutely sold out to him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I read a book by a man that was famous in the Methodist movement. And they said, what do you do and how do you preach? He said, I just go out and I just set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn Hallelujah. I'm appealing to you. Amen. In a prophetical order right now, give yourself to prayer. Give yourself to prayer. Give yourself to prayer. We've got wonderful programs. We have a wonderful building. God has blessed this church family in so many ways. But when you go back to the origins of Pentecost, and when you go in the book of Acts, they were praying and praying. When you go back to the beginning of the 20th century and the Spirit began to be poured out in such a magnet, it was all about prayer, prayer. These weren't intelligent people. These weren't brilliant people, but they knew how to pray. If my people 
which are, I don't know anybody that does more in Jesus' name than Pentecostal people. So I'm going to take for granted that's us. But if, there's a big if, if my people, which are called by my name, will do more than just brag about being the people of the name, but will humble themselves. And turn, do you have anything wicked going on in your life? Answer that question. Be honest with yourself. Quit playing make-believe. Quit playing hide-and-seek. Is there anything wicked going on in your life? If there is, turn from what's wicked. Seek his face. He will hear from heaven. He will heal our land. Come. Come praising. Come worshiping. These folks are going to sing. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, for goodness sakes, get that done today. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues under the anointing of God's presence, for goodness sakes, let that experience overwhelm your life today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't stop. Don't stop. For goodness sakes, don't stop. I need some maturity here around this altar. I need some understanding around this altar right now. This is not the time to stand and stare and wonder what's going to happen next. This is a time when Zion has to travail. This is a time when you push. This is the time when you pray with somebody. Be the church. Let the church be the church today. For the best.